The sermon lesson is from the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is the gospel of the Lord. Our Father, we ask that your word would speak to each of us this morning, giving the life that comes only from you. And it is the name of your Son we pray. Amen. So on Jesus' last night with his disciples, as we shared a couple weeks ago, he told them that he was going away. And the disciples had spent three years day and night with Jesus, and so this news was very unsettling to them. But Jesus spoke very clearly to them, saying, it is actually to your advantage that I am going to leave you. He says, it's for your good that I'm going away, because unless I go away, the Advocate or the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So Jesus is saying, uh, as I am leaving, you're not going to get less of me, but you are actually going to get more of me. And he talks about this gift that is going to be poured out upon our world in abundance. And it is this gift of the Holy Spirit that we have been spending these past few weeks and the weeks to come focusing on of who is the Holy Spirit and what is the Holy Spirit's role in our world and in our lives. And we began looking at the the big wide angle lens picture of saying the Holy Spirit is God always with us. And the Holy Spirit is God always working for us. And then last week, we looked at the Holy Spirit's specific role of bringing new life at the innermost parts of us, of bringing out what Jesus called a new birth, a radical change of heart and life by the working of His Spirit. And this morning, I want to go a little bit deeper into this working of the Spirit to impart new life and look at how the Spirit works up in doing that. So each of us woke up this morning into a place that's flowing with power. So we all, we turned on lights, we made coffee, we enjoyed hot water, we cooked on a stove, we got things out of the fridge, we used a hairdryer. All of these things take electricity. 
but electricity is not produced in our homes. In order for us to enjoy all of these things that we enjoy this morning, our homes have to be connected in some way to the source of power. And so what happens often, if, if a tree falls down and falls in the power lines and the power goes out in our homes, it's not that our homes stopped producing power, it's that we were cut off from the very source that we are dependent upon. And so the, the work of the Holy Spirit that we are focusing on this morning is how the Spirit connects us to the source of life. How the Holy Spirit connects us to Jesus and what that new life flowing into us looks like. And there are different pictures in the Bible that are given to describe or explain what this dynamic relationship is like, but the one that we are focusing on this morning is one of the more prominent ones that, that Jesus gave that talks about this interconnected dynamic power at work. And the one he gave was this image of vine and branches. And so there's three different angles that we're going to be looking at, the ways in which we ourselves experience the life that Jesus gives through this connection made by the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to look at the heart of connection, we're going to look at the way of connection, and then we're going to look at the fruit of connection. So, Holy Spirit connecting us to Jesus, the heart, the way, and the fruit. So first, the heart of connection. We have to say up front that this connecting work is, is not our idea. So the Bible doesn't tell this long story of, of humanity's pursuit of God, of God being distant and disinterested, and humanity is just constantly seeking after Him with the hopes that He will turn His attention to us and care about us in some way. Instead, page after page, the Bible is telling this story of God's relentless pursuit of the people that He loves. So page after page, God seeking, God calling, God inviting, God finding, God promising, God keeping. One of the most beautiful pictures Jesus gives in a parable of this pursuit is He talks about a shepherd that has a hundred sheep. And, and one of them, just one of them, gets lost. And the shepherd leaves all the 99 in pursuit of this one lost sheep. And when this shepherd finds this one lost sheep that he has been pursuing and seeking and risking his life to find, we read that he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and he goes home. And then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. For I have found the sheep that I lost. It gives us a beautiful picture into the heart of God as this shepherd goes out, leaves everything to find this one lost sheep and joyfully puts it on his shoulders to bring it home. That's one small glimpse of what the Bible is about in God's loving, consistent pursuit of the people that He loves. And that's a picture of both the Father's heart and the Son's heart and the Spirit's heart of what they are united in doing. And we get a window into Jesus' own heart 
Towards the end of this passage, in verse 11, the very last sentence, Jesus says, I have told you this so that. So Jesus is talking about all of this vine branch imagery. And then lastly, he says, here is why I am telling you all of these things. And he doesn't finish that by saying, I'm telling you all these things so that you'll get your act together. I'm telling you all these things so that you'll finally figure it out and do what you're supposed to do. What does he say? He says, I've told you all this so that my joy might be in you and your joy might be complete. Or also translated full. So last summer, my wife and I took a trip out west and we saw lots of different lakes and reservoirs, but one common feature was that the, the water level was, was all low and everywhere they were talking about just just a drought, and basically saying, there's, everyone's saying, there's supposed to be more in here. These are not full. They were meant to be more full. Jesus is talking here about a drought of joy in our own lives, looking at the human condition and the human heart and saying, they were meant to be full, but they're not full. And I'm telling you these things so that they might be full so that my joy might be in you, that there might be this shared joy. I want you to be full. Jesus was often described as a man of sorrows, mainly because He was able to see and feel and experience in ways that we never can the full breadth of the brokenness of this world. But Jesus also, underneath all that, there was a a deep joy that was grounded in the love that he experienced from his own father. So at his baptism, we're told that the spirit descended upon him and he heard a voice. And do you remember what the voice says? It says, you to Jesus, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Jesus hears the perfect delight of His Father in Himself. And this is fueling Him along the ways. And it's gotten so deep in Him that repeatedly in John, He refers to it. So John 3, 35, The Father loves the Son and has placed everything in His hands. John 5, 20, The Father loves the Son and shows Him all that He has done. And at the end of His life, fifteen ten. I've kept the Father's commands and remain in His love. Even in His prayer for them as He's leaving, He says, I'm saying all these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. Jesus' heart is that the full measure of His joy that He experienced might be in us and that we might be full of that. The question that we face is, do we believe that God wants that kind of joy for us? Do we believe that that's the kind of of heart He has? So often I think our views of God are, are warped and twisted, sometimes in very subtle ways, seeing Him as a very harsh taskmaster that just wants us to get in line. But here we see such a different motivating force in God's life of saying, I want you to be full and overflowing with joy, which is why I'm talking about this connection that my spirit is going to make with 
with my son. It's also easy to look at ourselves and wonder, does God really want this kind of connection with us? I think there's there's two ways we can go very wrong in thinking about this connection that the Holy Spirit makes. On the one hand, we can just be completely indifferent about it. Of a God who looks at us and says, I desire this life-giving connection with you. I desire to share my joy in you and that your joy might be full. And for us, on one hand, to just say, it just doesn't matter. I've got other things in life that are more important. And I'm just going to go my own way. That's one response that we can get off on. The other response that we can go wrong with is, is more of a shame response. Of We hear this heart, we hear this purpose, we hear these desires of God, but inside us we say that maybe that's His heart for other people. Maybe He wants that connection with others, but, but not with me. I know my own brokenness. I know what's really in my heart. I know what I've said. I know what I think. I know what I do. I know it's all there. And There's no way that he could really want this kind of connection with me. And the gospel cuts through all of that. That's grace. That it's not in response to who we are, what we've done, but it's this free gift. And so the question is, is that something that we are desiring and looking after and seeking? That's that's the heart of connection. The heart behind all of this. Now, secondly, what is the, the way of this connection. John Calvin long ago once talked about uh, the Bible as God's baby talk. Of, if it's God, think about what it takes for you to come down to a three-year-old's level and try to communicate some very complicated things. Um, you, you can't explain the, the theory of relativity to a two-year-old. It just doesn't work. But there are certain things that you can explain and and get down to the heart of. And the Bible is God in all of His knowledge trying to come down to communicate to us in some very clear ways who we are. He uses this image of a vine and branches that they would have been very, very familiar with. It would have been their life looking around. So we don't have a lot of experience necessarily with, with vines and branches and pruning and how it all works, but it would have been it would have been their world. And so they they knew that a vine and a branch are not equal in the relationship. That one of these is the source and life flows out of it. And the other of these is dependent and life is meant to flow into it. And Jesus says in verse 5, I am the vine... You are the branches. If you remain in me or if you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So here we're given we're given pictures of two very different branches. There is one branch that is attached to the vine. And what that means is is this branch has a stability. This branch has an identity. This branch is a part of something much bigger than just itself. And this branch is experiencing life flowing into it and through it that it might bear fruit. And then there's another branch that is disconnected or cut off from the vine completely. This branch does not have stability. This branch is not part of something bigger than itself. This branch does not have life flowing into it and flowing through it and producing fruit. Jesus says this branch that is cut off is withering. 
shriveling up. Um, in our neighborhood recently, somebody had rented some goats to clean up their yard. <laughs> I don't know if you have seen this. They, they set up a fence, and you're, you're thinking, oh, they're probably putting an electric fence or something up just to make their yard nicer, and then all of a sudden there's like eight goats <laughs> that are just there, and they leave them there for about two weeks so that they just eat up all the shrubs everywhere. And one of the things that they do is they, uh, they eat these, the vines, so a lot of times in these yards, there's, there's, at least in this yard, there was these big trees and these vines going up all the way into the trees, and the vines are, are killing the trees, and so uh, over at, at the week is, is over and these goats are gone, you see that all of the, the branches are kind of like dead up to like a certain point. However high the goats could, could kind of nibble up. And what's going to happen and what has been happening is that where these vines have been cut off from the source, they're starting to die. The leaves are starting to wither away because no longer is life flowing through them. And so what is green is now turning brown. And Jesus is using this to try to explain to us what the dynamic of our relationship to Him is meant to be like. And warning us of a life of withering and, and inviting us into a life of, of bearing uh, rich fruit. We were designed by God to be dependent creatures. It is hardwired into our spiritual DNA that we are dependent people, and that is not a bad thing. Jesus actually talks about it as the way uh, to life. We, we, we were made so that we're always looking for life. But the problem that we find in our own lives is that we're always looking in the wrong places for it. I think about just the simple act of just scrolling on our phones. Something we all do in some way, shape, or form. But when, when you're scrolling, what are you looking for? Have you ever stopped for just a moment and say, what am I actually, what am I looking to find? And when I stop on something, what does that give me? We're, we're, we're always looking. But even if you put your phone down and you stop scrolling in that way, your heart is always scrolling. Right? That's, that's a picture of what we're doing all the time. We're looking. We, we were made to find our life, to find our stability, our identity in something else that has the ability to give us that life. And yet we're looking in all the wrong places for it. Verse 10, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Remain or abide in my love. The logic that Jesus is using here to us and to these disciples is to say, I want you to think about the way that my Father has loved me. I have loved you with that same kind of love. And I want you to abide in my love. Remain in my love. Be connected to me and the word he uses to describe all of these benefits that come from him is simply his love receive it enjoy it find stability and life in there first john 4:16 so we have come to know and to believe the love that god has for us 
John here is talking about not just a head knowledge. He says we've come to know, but also to trust in it. That it's become something that is experiential and something that our lives are, are grounded in, like our roots are growing deep into this soil. And it's only then that we will experience this life and, and bear fruit. Which brings us to this final work of connection. So we've said the heart of connection, that it is God's heart to make this connection happen. We've looked at the way, and that is the, the Spirit unites us to Jesus as we abide in His love, but there's a fruit that comes about, the fruit of connection. Jesus says very clearly, He says, You did not choose Me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, fruit that would remain. In verse 8 in our passage, By this My Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be My disciples. Jesus even said Himself, You will know them by their fruit. God's heart is not just that this life would flow into us as reservoirs, but that this life would flow out of us, that we would be like channels of grace into a world that is dying of thirst. And he uses the image of, of just bearing fruit. Um, in planting these vineyards, that's what they were wanting. They were wanting them to bear fruit that they might be able to enjoy and that it might sustain life and they could share it with one another and with the community. Paul talks about the, the Spirit also bearing fruit through us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There's no law against these things. And so the design for us in this connection in the Spirit's work is that we might bear a kind of fruit that would bring healing and that would bring hope into the world. The fruit is never going to be perfect, but the fruit is going to be real. As you look at your own life, what, what does this fruit look like that is being produced? And where do you see the need for, for more of this kind of fruit and more of this Spirit's work in your life? But I want to close with this and thinking about this fruitful connection that the Spirit makes. Um, we don't produce this fruit just by trying harder and by working harder to make it happen. Jesus is the only one who can make this fruit happen by the work of His Spirit. And the key to this fruitful life comes right after what Jesus says. It's not printed in your worship guide, but it's in verse 12. He says, This is my commandment, that you love one another. How? As I have loved you. Jesus is saying that the only way that you can be empowered in a life of love and service and sacrifice and forgiveness and patience and kindness is only when you have experienced that in a deep and personal way from me. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. As I have loved you, so you are to love one another. Abide in my love. Let's pray. Our Father, we, we thank You for the gift that You have given a fullness of life that comes through Your Son and through Your Spirit.
Lord, we are weak, but you are strong. Would you help us not to be indifferent to this kind of love? And would you help us not to reject it because of some sense of deep shame that we all carry? Would you help us to receive it with glad hearts? And would you produce this rich and abiding fruit in us for the good of the world in desperate need of both healing and hope? And it is in the name of your beloved Son, our Savior, we pray. Amen.